Hello and uh, welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Monday the 24th of April 2023. Uh, the more astute and alert of you will have noticed that I'm not Phil Hinton. Uh, we've killed and eaten him. No, we haven't. Uh, he's on holiday, um, so he's having some well-deserved time off. I'm Ed Selly and I'm covering uh, the presentation duties and saying er uh, more than I usually do. I'm joined in my pursuit of saying er uh, by Martin Jew, Ian Collum, Julian Scott and Doug Piper. So good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Good evening. Hiya. Right. Okay. Marvellous. This week, it's fun and action-packed. We don't need Phil to have a good time. Uh, we'll be looking at Emotiva's budget-priced AV process with Martin, talking about Bose and Wilkins 700 series uh, as a multi-channel speaker with Doug. Jules is going to be talking about his first encounter with an LG G3 TV out in the wild. Uh, I will be talking about the Focal Vestia, number one, a bit later on. And we'll have the usual roundup of TV, home cinema, and hi-fi news from Ian, our small, calm voice of reason. And we'll be answering questions in the chat if you put questions in the chat. Uh, that's all for later on. Uh, chat window is now open. Uh, so questions. Uh, and if you don't want to do that you and you're listening later on, you can still send questions to podcast at avforums.com or add your comment to the thread underneath this podcast and you'll find them at the bottom of the list. Sorry, I keep looking off screen. I tried doing split screen things earlier on on this laptop and it just fouled itself so i have my ipad off screen with the running order so i will be glancing worriedly to my to my left from time to time so i actually see what on earth is going on right we're going to kick off with some feedback gentlemen um uh the first is about phil so it may have been written by phil apparently it's avf member pulse one but it could be phil uh it says glad to see phil will be reviewing projectors again and indeed there is a re uh, review of his on the front page as we as we speak i hope we'll be there for the next couple of days um and uh, he says we've got five new projector. Well, sorry, he doesn't say that. You'll be pleased to hear, Pulse One. We have five new uh, projector reviews in the works. So loads and loads of projector reviews in the offing. Uh, this one's for me. Uh, Netwiz uh, asked, um, is saying uh, last podcast, which does seem like a very long time ago, we were talking about um, that with a lot of the reviews that we do, we screen out products that we don't think are any good before we um, actually get to the business of reviewing them. Uh, he says, perfectly reasonably, as a consumer, a negative review can be just as useful as a positive one, particularly when all the actual reviews speak glowingly of the products with only small distinctions between them. Maybe you could do quick takes on products that you have doubts about. Um, this is a perfectly reasonable um, request, and it's something that we can look into. The only catch is it is going to actually reduce the number of full-length reviews. I can't speak for the other reviewers here, but in order to actually find out if something is good, and I believe actually that Doug is going to go on about finding that it's taken a bit of time to get under the skin of the review that he's going to be talking about later on. So in order to determine that something is pretty, pretty good, you're going to spend as much time listening, testing, prodding, turning it on and off as you are for the full length review. So it's still going to cut into the number of actual individual reviews that we can deliver over the course of a year nevertheless it's a valid point maybe there's some means of doing roundups or, or or more bulk looking at that we can do um i mean i still don't necessarily enjoy issuing a shoeing to things so if i think something is going to be an absolute howler I'm not, I, I still feel no particular urge to go near it but it's a valid point so we'll see what we can do uh right i get to stop talking for a bit because shinoisy I think that's how that is pronounced. Where does one go to find an ISF certified calibrator near me in the UK? 
and how would I know if anyone if they're any good? Um, now, Jules, you're not an ISF calibrator. You confirmed this before we went live, but hopefully you've got some ideas in this regard. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm THX and PVA Professional Video Alliance. There are a number of organisations out there, ISF, you know, uh, probably the first one out, and then THX followed very quickly after them. But um, yeah, so you can either get, go to the organization's own website where you'll find a listing for all over the world. So if you go to ISF, go to THX, go to PVA, you'll find those listings. Or you could go to the AB Forums map, preferably to the AB Forums map where we have a list of calibrators there. Um, and um, uh, how do you know they're any good? Well, uh, you, you kind of answered it in your second question is that if a calibrator has been trained properly, they will be working with the established industry uh, references with the standards. Um, so there really shouldn't be any end difference in how one calibrator um, calibrates an OLED or how, what the resulting picture is like if they're hitting those targets. So, so they, they, they should all be able to deliver the same picture. Projectors are a little bit more of a, um, there's more involved, particularly with HDR calibration or projector. Um, so um, there is points because you're dealing with a thousand nit content and you've only got maybe, you know, in a, with, with, a, with a, a, a trailing wind, you might have a hundred nits on a, on a small screen. There's, there's a lot more um, interpretation um, to get a, a projector looking HDR looking really good. Um, but um, in essence, they're really, you know, if everybody's do, working to the standards, there shouldn't be that much of a difference between them. You can check out the forums, the different threads on the different um, displays, and you'll probably find members, AV forums members, talking about, you know, I used X or I used Y, and I was happy with the results. Um, you know, so obviously with the caveat that um, people don't tend to to, to put up um, stinging reviews um, uh, by I don't, I don't think I've seen is it not like checker trade? Essentially, that I always find there's two levels of review yeah. for checker trade. It's either gone brilliantly or it reads like the plot of a disaster movie. People yeah. enjoy writing either of those types of reviews. They don't. Yeah, they what don't I what I see it. on the forums is tends to be, you know, I had so and so in, I was very happy with them. You know, people pop up. There's a, you know, considering a calibrator thread where um, you'll find people say, "Well, I use so and so." You know, you, you, you know, you, you, so so there's lots of um, ways on AV forums you can you can find out who's doing a good job, um, and uh, maybe that goes on to the next uh, question. Uh, yes, uh, Toonami states, I will definitely get my TV calibrated, most probably a G3 this year, unless Phil's review tells me otherwise. In order to maximise its performance, what is the recommended minimum screen time before calibrating, and is there any need to get it done again afterwards? Which is a pretty damn good question, actually. Yep. Um, well, uh, you know, on average, I would say at least 100 hours is recommended, more if possible, um, 200 uh, some people want, you know, three hundred. I don't think it, it, it. I don't think it makes that much more difference when, you, as you as you go up, you don't need to wait for a thousand hours. Of course, you can if you want to, uh, but I, I'd, I'd say a minimum of a hundred hours um, is is recommended for 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 running it in. And yes, there is a need for getting it done afterwards. Um, these these displays do drift over a period of time, and and so you'll get um, you, you, if you are really you know on it, you, you might want to get it uh, calibrated, recalibrated in a in a year or sixteen months. Um, obviously, there's a great deal of margin in terms of usage. You know how mm. how, how many hours you're putting in at any given time. Uh, THX used to recommend sixteen months for a recalibration on plasmas. Um, 
So, I mean, I have guys that say, right, this time next year, just like you'd book your car in for MOT, let's just, you know, let's let's do it again. They want to make sure that their, their TV is absolutely running at top performance all the time. And some people, you know, you might say, well, I'll see you when I buy the next panel. So, you know, you might see me again three years time. It depends on your question, you know, how much money you got, basically. Um, and um, uh, so, so yeah, uh, it, it is worth getting it done. They do drift. Uh, how long you leave um, is really sort of as long as a piece of strength. Yeah, Depends discretional. Money. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Uh, Elliot Cole reckons uh, £1,499 for the C342 is insanely over the previous version, question mark. No. Um, uh, it's been marked on the running order here. That's £100 more at launch. So I don't know whether this is um, a simply an exercise in uh, we just forget that Obviously, launch prices are a little bit higher and things do tend to drop over time. I'd also point out the same hobby horse I've been beating for the last year or so, that um, everything's getting a lot more expensive, a lot more quickly, and fundamentally £100 difference on a television. When you compare that to the price of a lot of other things, which have, broadly speaking, increased by a third, I didn't think that was too bad. But I'm afraid, I think... Um, unless anyone's willing uh, has a has a, a counterpoint on this, I think that fundamentally it's unlikely that we're going to see any significant savings on any major piece of equipment with a plug over its previous generation models if they're being replaced at the moment. And then uh, finally, Elliot Cole also adds, um, I went to check on the High Sense PX1 Pro. It isn't listed as Dolby Vision capable. What happened? Um, we were discussing this again before we went live. Uh, Obviously, Phil is our projector guru, and we can revisit revisit this when he returns from his holes. But um, as far as we know, um, Dolby Vision uh, certification on projectors is slim to the point of non-existence at the moment. And we were racking our brains about short throw projectors, which the PX One is that that have has this. And unless someone's willing to uh, get stuck into the comment and prove me other provers wrong, otherwise we weren't aware of any that do. So. Uh, you know, it should, based on the specs, it should still be pretty bright, should still be pretty vivid. So, um, you know, if if in doubt, try and see what you think. So that's comments sorted. Um, I'd like to start talking for a moment. So Phil has very quickly listed that he's on holiday, suckers. Um, so, I mean, you know, that's what he's doing. Um, he's tuned in tonight, though, Ed, isn't he? Almost certainly. <laughs> almost certainly. Um, but, Jules, I'm intrigued. Why are you sporting a black eye? Well, it's uh, it's the the heat of battle, isn't it? Ed? It's it's it's, it's football. Um, so yeah, clash your heads on Saturday, and um, yeah. So I've got a, a nasty bit of a black eye here, a bit of a split split eye. But is it um, the uh, case that you should see the other guy? I mean, was he stretched off? No, no, no. I think I came off worse this week. The last the last game I played, and I went off with three stitches uh, in my mouth as well. So my wife keeps telling me you're too old for this. Not just um, punching yourself in the face watching Norwich games. No, no, no. That, 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 that's kicking myself somewhere else. Oh, okay. Although that would require some degree of dexterity on my part that I don't have anymore. Uh, so if I'm talking a load of dribble tonight, I'm probably still concussed. No, well, that's fair enough. Uh, I mean, I, I, in in the context of in the context of this, I'm sure that your base memory functions will cover television expertise. Um, Doug, I haven't seen you in ages. What have you been up to? I, I was on holiday, um, so nice. I, I went to. Uh, Went to Lanzarote, my first first ever uh, foray into package holidays. Um, oh, which uh, is a bit of a revelation when you got two two little kids. Yeah. Actually, it was so easy. I mean, it's definitely not going to be our last package holiday. I, I can tell you that. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's where I've been, and that's pretty much the most interesting thing I've done since I last saw you. I am um, on on the subject of AV. I have replaced my main speakers. That was uh, another thing that I've done in the interim with a um, big pair of JBL. Uh, mm, yeah. SK two thirty three hundreds, which um, are some of their synthesis speakers, uh, kind of modelled on the Everest, sim similar drivers to the Everests, um, which are incredible. incredible. Yeah, and not small. I seem to no, recall as well. No, they are massive. <laughs> they are. I, I'm struggling to fit them. Really, it's absurd having them in the living room. Really, it's it's very silly. Well, good. Um, I mean, heavy it, as well. what is life without silliness? Well, um, so that's fair enough. And Martin, it's been a while. I mean, obviously, we haven't done a podcast in, in a while because Easter got in the way. Um, you've been keeping well? Very well, thank you. Um, I had uh, five very nice days on the north coast of Cornwall, hmm. um, uh, specifically Polzeth. But actually, my family has been visiting that region at Easter time, going back 50 or 60 years now. Even my dad's cambridge buddies used to do that um so it's kind of stuck and just love it down there the coast is heavenly i don't know whether any other way to describe it yeah it's um it's a it's a fabulous part of the world um mm. i don't think i've been obviously i've been doing it 50 or 60 years but um i'm reasonably au okay fait with it so yeah it's a nice nice part of the world yeah and um martin that's right not martin um ian what have you been power washing uh i've been power washing a giant satellite dish there oh, was right. some more, yeah some more dlc drops <laughs> i don't know whether it's probably a week or so ago so every time i think i get away from it there's like a new hook that drags me back <laughs> I, can't, I can't get away it was but it was nice because i've been watching the norwich game um beforehand live and we are awful so it was like a nice kind of it's incredibly like i can do nothing i don't have to think about the football i just focus on cleaning this massive satellite dish with <laughs> for fun yeah, that that tells you how bad the football was, and that was a step up in entertainment doing that. But yeah, there's that, and I've also been playing a bit of Minecraft Legends, which is uh, a new twist and obviously a, a classic game, uh, which I'm still quite to get into it. It's it's good fun. I can see how it'd be really really good when you're playing uh, against other people PvP. But I'm just still figuring out the basics in campaign mode, so it's just taking a little bit of while to get going. But it looks pretty good, and it's you know cute and colourful as Minecraft always is. So it's I'm sure there'll be a lot of people enjoying that as well splendid okay i think I've, I've, sp I've spoken to everyone haven't i um that's all good um i haven't been doing a huge amount uh i've got um too many record players in the house that's not just fravy please don't worry it's, they're not all fravy forums i'm not not I, I i don't push that too far um otherwise i have been watching some dreadful television haven't been buying as much music as i usually do but we'll talk about that at the end of things and um yeah i'm afraid it's same old same old um those of you who are fond of visits by the cat into my uh into my screen will know will be delighted to know that he's just joined me on the table so sooner oh, or later lovely. he will um, he will he will put it put in an appearance right as i understand it that's the uh end of our uh, gen general chat um, so uh, there will be a short interlude, and then we will uh, crack on with some hardware. Oh no! Sorry, no, the voice—the voice in my head has just gone. No, we've got competitions first, which I'm delighted to say isn't isn't my isn't my doing. Um, Martin, could you run us through what our lucky people can uh, win uh, in in terms of things for both? Actually, we've got sorry, we've got hardware hardware competitions, and then we've got some other things for our patrons as well. 
Yes, so first of all, uh, you can win a pair of Shaw Ionic 50 wireless noise-canceling headphones in brown, worth £219 from our friends at av.com. And exclusive offers for patrons include Martin on limited edition 4K Blu-ray. <laughs> Uh, City of Lost Children on 4K Blu-ray. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre on 4K Blu-ray. Ah, uh, family favourite. Yes. Star Trek Strange New Worlds on Blu-ray. Star Trek The Next Generation 4 Movie Collection on 4K oh, nice. Blu-ray. Worth mm. £80. Yeah. That's a nice one. So head over to avforums.com. Competitions to enter. All competitions are open to eligible AV Forums members or patrons resident in the UK. Marvellous. Uh, we have no new winners. Uh, we'll announce some, we'll get some. Get get the machine cranked up and work out who's won some things. We have uh, some new patrons that we'd like to welcome. We've got uh, Gary Heather, Brian Day, Luke Scurry, Jura Singh, and Rob Colby. Uh, thank you very much. Welcome to you all. Um, we hope that we won't be too disappointing. Um, as ever, your uh, money goes towards uh, making the site better. I mean, Phil says that one day we'll do a perfect podcast. I I, I don't know. I'm simply not as optimistic as Phil. Well, I but, think this is going pretty well so far, Ed. I think, you know. I don't know. Well, we'll see how we are. But no, who knows? But thank you ever so much for joining us on our journey as we creep towards, you know, respectability. And we'll see where we go from there. And now, hopefully, it is actually time for an indent. And we will join you afterwards for the TV section. Right. Hello again. Okay. Um, I am going to be very dependent on other people for TV news because it's uh, not really my forte. But Ian, as I understand it, we've got uh, some new announcements from TCL to begin with. Yeah, yes, indeed we do. Um, they've basically announced the core of their 2023 2023 uh, lineup. They announced the C645 at the beginning of the month and then more recently uh, follow that up with the C745 and the C845. Um, rather unsurprisingly, these models follow on from last year's C635s, uh, 735 and 835 models. New upgrades for this year include the, the new AIPQ 3.0 processor, the promised improved brightness across the range, more local dimming zones, and basic tweaks across uh, all three models. Um, top of the tree, the C845 is uh, mini-LED. Uh, it comes in 55 to 85 inch sizes. Promises a peak brightness up to 2,000 nits, which is uh, quite a lot. Mm. Uh, mm. And dimming zones have also been increased. They start at 480 on the 55 inch, up to 896 on the 85 inch. That's another quite sizable improvement over last year. Mm. Um, don't have improved pricing as yet for the UK, but reports are suggesting European prices start at around £1,500 for the 55 inch. Going up, No, €1,500, sorry. So there'll be conversion going on there going up to around three thousand euros for the 85 inch sizes but those are still to be confirmed by tcl um 745 is the new qled uh comes in 55 to 75 also adds full array local dimming to its lineup this year uh got a brightness up to a thousand nits and comes with all the upgraded color features that uh, tcl likes to shout about uh, and as with his C845, uh, it comes with support for Dolby Vision, HDR10+, Dolby Atmos, uh, and a few other bells and whistles. With European pricing for that one, touted at probably around uh, €1,100 Euros for the 55, up to €1,900 Euros for the 75-inch back end, still to be officially confirmed. 
Um, meanwhile, if you're looking for an entry-level QLED, uh, the C645 that was announced earlier, uh, the offer screen size is down to 43 inches all the way up to 85. Uh, but European pricing is, uh, drops accordingly, so that starts off at around 700 euros, apparently. Peak brightness also drops to 450 nits, uh, and it's also limited to a 60 hertz native display, but it does come with TCL's dual line gate tech, which promises to deliver uh, 120 hertz refresh rates for gamers if you hook it up with HDI 2.1. Um, as always with TCL, it's worth pointing out, uh, their models tend to vary quite a great deal between regions. So people in the US might get very different models for those in Europe. So yeah. all the specs and info we've listed on the website is still open to some variations. Um, so if you're interested in any of the products, you might want to check out your local TCL website or retailer. Yeah. Uh, it's also worth noting that it does look like that might be all we're getting from TCL, at least in the short term future. It looks like the, the C935 from last year uh, and the, the low cost, P series of LCDs from 2022 also like to carry over. So, well, we have been be seeing more of this, TCL, haven't we? So, yeah, you know, and and I don't necessarily, as I say, I don't, we've discussed this before. I don't necessarily think it is a bad thing to sell the same television for two years. I don't believe the world will end from doing so. Um, then, as I understand it, and we'll be quicker on this because you have very kindly pointed out that this has been on the site for some time. Uh, Sony confirmed UK pricing for some, but not all, of their 2023 lineup. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes back a few weeks, but obviously it would have been covered in the last podcast, but we didn't have yeah. that one, so it's still uh, considered valid. But yeah, basically, it started rolling out its uh, products, and it's retained some topicality, because the, I think the first product started rolling out on Friday, just gone, so they're still hot off the presses, so to speak. Um, but yeah, the the headline A95L with the new and improved Samsung display QD OLED panel uh, isn't among the, the early arrivals, because that one's not coming till the end of summer, apparently. But the A80L was one of the first to arrive with the 55 and 65 inch models uh, available now, priced at £2,399 and £2,999, respectively. Um, 75 and 83 inch models follow later in the month. They're obviously suitably more expensive. Um, as uh, as you mentioned, it's a little bit old, so I won't go through all the details, all the stories, all the, the information, all the rest of the pricing is up on the website, but you've got information for the, the flagship mini LED, which is the X95L, um, also the X75WL is at the bottom end of the spectrum, pricing for that starts at around £699 for a 43-inch display, going up to uh, £1,500 for the 75-inch, so that's amongst your rather more affordable Sony options. Hmm. Um uh, and yeah, I think we've previously covered uh, LG and Samsung as well. So all those pricing details uh, and like the, the full lineups are on the website as well. But it does reach the point now where you're getting like the, the interesting comparisons. So you can kind of weigh up uh, the varying price points. So like, for example, the LG's flagship OLED, the G3, the 55 inches at £2,599. Yeah. Samsung's S95C flagship models at £2,699. So they're kind of in that similar ballpark. And you're kind of thinking that maybe Sony's A95L is going to drop into a similar window. So it offers up, you know, some potentially yeah. tough choices for people in the who are looking to buy a new TV over the summer because there's going to be a lot of good TVs at rather similar prices, even if they are a little bit more expensive than they were last year. Um, but hopefully all the improvements will make them worthwhile. Well, let's hope so. Um, so, yes, that's uh, that's TV news sorted. Um, now, this is of more interest to more people. Uh, Jules, you've been hands-on oh. with the G3. Uh, and I was saying to you beforehand that right now you could say almost anything, and I won't have the uh, the technical expertise to correct you on this, but um, I'm hoping, or at least anticipating, that it was reasonably good. 
Well, did you know it's got um, unobtainium in it now? Oh, splendid. I'm, yeah, all, I'm, I'm, all I'm, sourced from a planet in somewhere down in the universe. As long as we've, as long as we've upset a lot of blue people to uh, to get that, that's fine. That's good. Well, those that. Smurfs are really angry now. Yeah, so, good. so <laughs> yeah, I actually did watch Avatar too just last last week on, on Kaleidoscape, and it was a fantastic experience. Um, but uh, you'll have to look at Martin's review for that. I think he did that. Um, on, on the front page isn't it but yeah. yes i got my uh i got my hands on a g3 for the first time um this uh, last uh, week or so uh, i also calibrated um a couple of g2s as well which provided sort of a, a more a, a quite mm. a nice um uh reminder of where we were at last year with these panels obviously g2 g3 uh at the top end of the lg's uh tree um uh, so um you know, you, you're going to get the uh, better performance out of those compared to the Cs. Um, and uh, the G3 was really, really nice. Um, it was like the G2, but a bit better. Um, Who saw that coming? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when usually when you're talking about um, annual improvements or, you know, refreshes of models, you're talking, you know, something that it's hardly noticeable. If you had last yeah. year's model, it's not really worth buying one this year. The the, the improvements are, um, are particularly in peak brightness, are, are, are not really noticeable. In terms of brightness, and obviously that's always the headline figure people look for, you know, how many nits can it kick out? Um, and we, we see, uh, as humans, we see logarithmically. So, you know, the increase of 50 nits or something like that is not at all visible. So it's not even worth talking about. It's certainly not changing your TV for an extra few, you know, a few nits like that. But this year we've gone up from, I mean, um, the G2s I measured this last week were hitting mid 900s, which is excellent, I have to say. Mm. You know, so it's it's a really good peak output, um, gives you lovely dynamic range, lovely specular highlights. Uh, the G3 measured 1300 nits uh, Ooh, right. calibrated. So, you know, that's 350 plus nits over last year's model. That's quite a leap. Yes. And it does show itself, you know, in those bright um, those bright images, you know, the, with these specular highlights, they really do sing and uh, and sparkle and, uh, you know, add that extra element of reality to the content you're watching. It's lovely to have over a thousand nits because it gives the TV headroom. It's not tone mapping, um, so the difference, interestingly, between we put the Spears and Munsell, the, the you know the famous horses yeah. scene, which a lot of people use. We use it on our reviews, um, where there's you know there's white content in the snow, which which is pushing towards a thousand nits. Um, uh, my C uh, one, you know, clips some of that content. Um, there's no clipping on the G3 at all. And there's no difference really between the the, the, the Dolby Vision um, presentation of that and the HDR10 version of that because there is no need to clip on the 1,000 nit content because we have a 1,300 nit panel there. So um, it does it you know, with, with ease because it's got more than the 1,000 nits that it needs for that kind of content. Um, so you you get the sense of a, a, of a TV that's not having to try that hard. And of course, that goes down to the difference between this year and last year is this MLA, this micro lens array wizardry that we now have this year, where um, with the thousands of micro, well, as it says, you know, micro lenses placed on the OLED layer, it's able to uh, suck out uh, more of the light that's being created within the TV, but which was hitherto being lost internally. So you can get that out the panel, out the front of the panel. And so it it's makes... an efficiency saving as much exactly. as anything else. 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, they share both last year, this year. So they share. They, they've replaced the uh, the the previous uh, the the move from the previous blue OLED material, which is based on hydrogen. They move moved to uh, deuterium. That was the unobtainium joke, by the way. Yeah. Um, they moved to deuterium, which is um, you know uh, it's more resilient. Uh, it can be driven um, harder as a result of that, and so you can get more brightness as a result. Uh, uh, consequentially, uh, uh, out of the deuterium base panels which is the g2 and the g3 um but the essential difference there is the mla the micro lens array which is sucking more of that light out of the panel getting it out the front the mla also does help uh to a degree with the off-axis viewing so you can sit at an insanely acute angle now and watch your uh, g3 and you still get the same uh, pretty much the same picture from where you're sitting it also helps with the um, slight pink tint that uh, some of these panels have, um, none of which was was really visible head on, and only at the most extreme stupid angle um, could you pick up a little bit of pinkness um, from from the sides. Um, so that's all good news, you know, um, for um, for people who've got you know uh, sofas. Uh, arrayed around you mean these weirdos that don't necessarily arrange everything perfectly on axis with their television i've read about them and i don't hold them hold with it as a concept yeah yeah well you know um of course if you've got you know if you have um, that's what's been a problem with lcd tvs is you know you get a nice picture head on but as soon as you go slightly off axis um the picture went to pot um yeah. of course they've improved too um but not to this degree um so yeah, i think you can can you know we can consign, certainly with these g3s um the g2 was no slouch either um you can consign that to history uh you know calibration wise um brilliant you know I, you know all the calibrated modes sdr uh, dolby vision hdr10 um game modes everything was giving me average delta errors of between 0 0.2 and 0 0.4 for the grayscale and the gamma and the color errors also in all of those modes was was particularly low as well really 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 great uh, calibration and of course it comes with you know the the lg I'm, I'm a particular fan of the of the um the lg's operating system um so yeah it's like a g2 but it's but better, better. Yeah, Which I like is the sound of that. What you want? Yeah. Um, so, well, actually, do you know what? I, I, I had this going in my head. It was like, well, it's, it's, you know, it's actually better here for actually better there. It, it's refreshing in what you know has been a technology that's been around for a while. Where you've sat down and gone, yeah, compared to last year's one, this is a meaningful step forward. So, it is. yeah, that's that's quite something. Um, we're going to finish off the TV section. Thank you, Jules. Um, Phil has left a note about what he's up to other than being on holiday. And I, I, I'm, I'm assuming it hasn't been written by him because if it is, it's in the third person, which is awfully, awfully pretentious. Phil yeah. is currently working on the 65-inch LG C3 review with a comparison to last year's C2 model included. And that will be written... Uh, written and video reviews and but with best and with video reviews and best settings the g3 review will also be in the works which we've just been talking about i think we can probably rest assured that's going to be a fairly good review uh -huh. uh, from next week um as well as the sony a84l oled so he's he's a busy boy you know there's 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 output from him but that wraps up the television section um and then we've got home cinema after that if you'd like to support the AV Forums podcast on a regular basis, then why not become a patron? Head over to patreon.com forward slash AV Forums to sign up. You can also make a one-off donation through the Super Chat or via streamlabs.com forward slash AV Forums. 
All donations help us to improve the website and the podcasts. Thank you to all our supporters. Right then, home cinema section. I get to do lots less talking and this is great. Um, right, uh, Ian, I understand we have some uh, new stories. Uh, kicking off with some more Samsung soundbars. Yeah, uh, as before, this is a, a story from a couple of weeks ago, but basically it seems the gods have conspired against us or in your favour and that 90% of the news that seems to have flooded in the past couple of weeks has been hi-fi, basically. Yeah. So it's been good for you. But um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, Sony uh, announced a new range of soundbars with the Q-Series uh, adding... Samsung, what did I say? Sony. Oh, probably. All these, <laughs> they, everything collides after a while when you get all these product names and manufacturers together. Yes. Uh, Samsung has announced the new Key series with six new additions uh, to its soundbar lineup. Top of the list is the HWQ990C, which comes with an 11.1.4 channel setup featuring 22 speakers, uh, which comes with wireless, you know, all together, not like. Uh, and that includes wireless rears and a subwoofer and a price tag of £1,599. I won't go through the whole list, but next up is the Q930C. Drops things down to a 9.1.4 system, priced at £1,149 and so on. And it goes down to the 3.1.2 channel Q600C, which is at £599. And there's also a 3.1 channel Q60C, which hasn't been priced as yet. But presumably that will be confirmed fairly soon. Keep your eyes on the Samsung website, not the Sony one to keep uh tabs on that uh the likes of dolby atmos dcsx and adaptive sound common across the range some of the pricier models also come with something called spacefit sound pro which helps to auto adjust the setup to suit your room's acoustics um so yeah it's another a new interesting looking range of subwoofers which always seems to raise the question on the forums about whether the soundbar setups can compare to a more conventional speaker system obviously most of the responses on the forums are like no, get, you well, know, you see, I think I, 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 I look at these from afar and the, the more there's more people every year going, actually, do you know what? This is all the things I ever need. Uh, Martin, are you intrigued at having a look at any of these ones? Uh, yes, I, I will be. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm getting down with quite a lot of uh, soundbars recently. So, yeah. yes, whether they have 22 drivers in or just <laughs> two. <laughs> Well, yes, I mean, you, you, it must be said that no, no one can accuse you of elitism. You've looked at ones that you can buy for the price of a fairly hefty night out. So, I yeah. mean, no one would begrudge you looking at one with 22 drivers, I feel. Yeah, so. and in fact, I've just been looking at one by uh, Groovy, which is a Middlesex uh, company who've been around since 2009. And I've just uh, I've just finished a review of a £50 soundbar, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Forty-nine ninety-nine. So not even a big night out, in fact. Exactly. <laughs> Just a few pints. Yeah, that is literally that. That's that's yeah. four pints, some pork scratchings, and a go on the quiz machine. So yeah, choose choose your choose your evening out carefully. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we've got another relatively uh, mature news story, as I understand it, from XGMe uh, as well, Ian. Uh, yeah, this is another one that goes back a little bit, but it gives us some projectors to talk about as we referenced earlier in the, the podcast. Um, yeah, a couple of new models. Uh, stay topical because they effectively launch tomorrow, or if you're not watching Ooh. us live, they launched on the 25th of April. Um, but it's the new Mogo 2 and Mogo 2 Pro portable uh, projectors. These are obviously aimed at the more casual uh, viewing audience rather than like the companies more dedicated. They've got an Aura 4K USD home cinema solution, which is far more expensive and comes with far more features. 
but these are two cheaper models. They're priced at £359 for the standard Mogo 2, £529 for the Mogo 2 Pro. Reason being that the Mogo 2 is uh, just limited to a normal HD display, Pro upsings to a full HD display, both delivering a brightness up to 400 ISO lumens uh, and Android TV setups. Uh, and obviously come with uh, a few other upgrades in terms of the automated display technologies. It just makes it easier for these to be sort of basically plug and play models. Um, if you look at some of the promotional material for it, you know, the, the screenshots they provide or the promotional photos they supply, people, you know, watching a film in their back garden, their kids playing with things in their room with like, you know, cartoons up on the wall, that kind of thing. So these are kind of geared more towards kind of fun, casual, interactive views yeah. rather than those hardcore 4K movie viewings that you want to watch. But, you know, it's just nice to see some, you know, more interesting portable solutions on the market really for people who maybe don't want to spend thousands of pounds on a video no it looks quite interesting so uh, yeah we'll see how we go and then um as a treat to you um again uh, this has been around for a, a, a while but um i understand that they is uh, that we did baftas for games which i always find it's if you told me uh, as a, as a nine-year-old as i was hammering away on a commodore amiga that there'd be bafta awards for computer games uh, well i mean i'd have been i wouldn't have paid you any attention because i was nine but i mean the the, the facts are it's still a remarkable development in the great well, scheme of things did, but there, did, there was an award did power wash make a clean sweep <laughs> outrageously no but it would have made an awful headline that would have been my intro for the stars <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, I forgot it. Now. I had it. There was the, there was another <laughs> new story that came up that would have made for a cracking power or simulate pun, and I can't remember it now. But uh, I'll remember it in about an hour's time when it's way too late. But yeah, Ian. basically, yeah, the Baftas have been around. The gaming Baftas have been around for a while. Um, and yeah, the reason it's worth a mention, not only because the obviously the, the article on the website which lists all the winners and nominations offers up a very handy place for people who are looking for the next for some great game ideas that they might have missed. Um, but yeah, winners were announced. Uh, end of last month, and whilst the likes of God of War Ragnarok and Elden Ring were among rather more predictable winners, uh, because they obviously come with massive AAA budgets, loads of money, hundreds of people working on them, but the surprise winner of the, the game of the year was something called Vampire Survivors, which very few people predicted, mainly because it looks like something that you could have played in the arcade in the 1990s. Um, you, you, you say it like that's a bad thing. Yeah, I know. Well, it, so it would have been a bad thing if it was around because I'd have spent an absolute fortune on it <laughs> if it was. Because it, it's incredible. It, the reason why I think a lot of people are happy that it won is because it kind of it champions the fact that gameplay can trump style and substance. You know, it's because it also won the award for best game design, sort of signifying because it's incredibly simple to play. It looks retro. It looks like I say, it looks basic. It looks like something you'd have played on a Mega Drive or something like that. And you can, each game, each playthrough only takes 30 minutes and you're controlling most of it with just one thumb. You're just doing that whilst the little guy shoots everybody for you, does everything else. But it's incredibly addictive. And it is, it, it, like I say, it champions the fact that sometimes something simple and fun can be just uh, as appealing as something that people spend billions of pounds making. Mm -hmm. You know, I personally would have liked Elden Ring to win because it's an amazing game. God of War Ragnarok, very similar. I, hope, I can't say I've played it that much, so... I'm probably not as big a fan as uh, other people might be. But, yeah, it was a very, very worthy winner, I think, of the, the Best Game Award. Um, but like I say, everything's up on the website. Uh, a lot of the other winners and nominees are listed. So if you're looking for the next good game to play, there's some great options on there for you to go and check out. Excellent. Now, we've got two, not one, but two doozies of AV reviews. Uh, we're going to kick off with Doug. Uh, oh, you... um, uh, just, Ed, um, yes? I just wanted to mention one thing on the news front. There was okay. a news stateside, which I'm sure Ian saw, but it's not necessarily rele relevant to our market, but it kind of is. 
um, uh, by referral, if you like, because Netflix are closing down in September their DVD mailing service, which is a little bit like uh, Love Film used to be yeah. here. And some I was of astonished it was still going, now. to be honest. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But it is, it is uh, I actually use Cinema Paradiso over here because it's still a great way to get hold of, conf, uh, of content that's not necessarily available on other platforms. And I get a chance to look at 4K discs before necessarily yeah. buying them. Um, anyway, I was kind of sad to see that that's going... I when I lived in the States, I actually I was a Netflix customer from 1999 and using their disk service and did so for many years before it became the streaming platform. It really did replace Blockbuster as a walk in bricks and mortar rental store. Mm. And it was a revolution, actually. And it's kind of sad that it's going to say its last goodbye in September. Yeah, I, I, I have. It's one, I guess when, when you think about just simple geography in the states i guess it, it you know there are vast tracts of it where internet speed is dismal so i, I guess it, it, on a simple you know on a simple level beyond you know your 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 more sort of discerning use of disc rental services i guess that, that there was a demand was retained because there were certain places where streaming simply couldn't mm. cut it um but yes i mean do you do you fear for the, the paradiso service or do you think that's a more specialist undertaking is likely to Keep going for a bit. Do you know, I wondered that, but I think they will probably hang in there, and I I hope they do because it's a very good service. Uh, Netflix used to be dirt cheap. I mean, you could get five discs or eight discs at a time. It was amazing. Um, obviously, the numbers don't add up to provide that kind of service anymore. But mm. I, I think Paradiso will hang around. Yeah. Oh, fair I enough. Point well, out that we we did actually cover this on the the website, but it was uh, amongst another story with Netflix also. Uh, announcing that this basic with ad service was going to uh, increase from standard uh, HD up to full HD. So there are some details up there. And since then, I have seen reports that one or two companies have been linked possibly with buying out Netflix's DVD service. Uh, so it, it oh, might ooh, it might live on, but you know, there, there's obviously there could just be rumour and speculation. Some people just say something to get a couple of headlines. Um, but it did, the news did throw up some some fun facts, which I can quickly pitch as a quiz. That the very first. Uh, DVD that it shipped was in 19, March 1998. If anybody's not seen the story, you can guess what it is. I'll be very impressed. 1998 film. I can narrow it down. It was a Tim Burton film, if that helps. Uh, Sleepy Hollow? Nope. Sleepy Hollow was 90s. Yeah, was, was that before then or after then? I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it might not even relate to the. To the I just know the that that was one of the very actually. earliest D DVDs that I bought, so that was the only reason I was thinking about that. Actually, I, yeah, I mean, it might not even relate to the year the film came out. I'm not sure. I never thought to check, but um, because obviously it was just the first one that they shipped out the door, so it could have been an older film. Um, but yeah, it was Beetlejuice. Oh right, so. okay. But the biggest surprise was the the most uh, the most rented film of all time throughout the history. They shipped like 5.2 billion discs over the years. Was the Blind Side, the Sandra Bullock film? What? <laughs> yeah, I know. Of like all the, you would never have guessed. I could have left this quiz open for days, and nobody would ever have guessed it. But apparently, no. according to I Netflix mean, itself, that is the most rented film in its DVD history. Coming soon to a pub kids near you. Yep. <laughs> it's 
if anybody wins any money on a pub quiz from that question, I, I want to no, show No, absolutely. Yeah, we, 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 have, we have the proof. This is being recorded. We'll know. So, yeah, we, 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 want, we want crediting on that. Right. Yes. No, a, a very valid point, Martin. So we'll see, we'll see how that pans out. Um, right. So, Doug, you've been looking at the Bowers & Wilkins 700 S3 series as a 5.1 package. Um, obviously, I've looked at this. Uh, I've looked at the 705, the smallest, uh, the, sorry, the largest of the, of the stand mounts as a stereo yes. review. So I have some inkling on this. But you, going back to what we were saying earlier um, in terms of uh, our reviewing not necessarily being a, automatically knowing how something is out of the box, this wasn't an immediate these didn't immediately blow you away no no they didn't and i was i was actually very conscious of the fact that you had reviewed the 705s i had uh, I, I knew i knew you'd probably read my review and you, you know you're such an astute reviewer i thought you might point out there was something wrong with my ear i wouldn't go that if, far. <laughs> if i didn't like them um but i certainly at first i i didn't um well i should start by saying what i reviewed so it was the 702s which are the floor standards um which are the top end of the, yeah. the new 700 series um and they're beautiful they're huge things and they come on plinths and um they're essentially as is the whole 700 series uh sort of mini 800 series so they mm. benefit from a lot of trickle down technology from the 800 series um so it has the sort of distinctive tweeter on top arrangement um where the tweeter sort of housed in a it's a carbon dome tweeter housed in an aluminium um sort of special housing that sits on the top of the um top of the cabinet and is entirely decoupled from the cabinet um uh, what else has it got in there from the 800 series the continuum cones with decoupled mid-range drivers that sit in little pods which are very interesting things you know, there's picture and description in the review and you can sort of press the outer ring of the in the pod where the the mid-range driver sits and it, it flexes ever so slightly such as it's decoupling from the cabinet so it was it was the 702 um the htm uh 71 center um which is three-way center with all the, that tech that i just described and the 705s that ed reviewed uh, as surrounds which are sort of ludicrously over specified <laughs> surround speakers really um and then a 10 inch uh, db4s subwoofer um which i'll come on to i absolutely adored um re really really enjoyed that um so yeah it, it's it's essentially a mini 800 series so i went into the review thinking well the, these are going to be phenomenal sort of set them up as i usually do in my room and uh sort of angle them all very precisely on access to where i sit um and the way i'd normally start testing is um i don't run any sort of calibration and i usually just listen to the front two in stereo just uncalibrated just so that i can kind of get a sense of where yeah. their natural tone is that they're kind of a natural voice um and got through maybe sort of half an hour's listening and i really wasn't sold at first at all it took me a long time to acclimatize to them um and initially i essentially felt that they had slightly too much upper frequency energy i wouldn't quite go as far as saying bright because because they weren't um but they did set they sounded like they had a little bit um almost artificial air about them um so I'd, i attempted to 
to toe them out ever so slightly, which is, you know, you receive wisdom. That's the way if something's slightly bright, yeah. you toe it out ever so slightly, and then you're sitting a li- a slightly off axis to them, and you're getting less of that sort of directional high frequency energy. Um, and ever so slightly, I, I would say that probably 10, 20 centimeters to the side of each ear. Um, so really wasn't very pronounced at all but once i did that and once i sat back down and kind of warmed to them a little bit more um i i felt like i've found their groove um and once i was in that i was absolutely sold uh absolutely adored them um and the first first night when i was listening to music i I was I was up to one o'clock just going through tracks that I know very well. And there are there are a couple of tracks that I was playing back over and over again. The Chain Fleetwood Mac is just one that I know inside out, and I listen mm. to very specific points in the track. Um, and there were bits that were just clear as a bell in a way that I'd never heard. I, w- I won't say I was hearing, you know, new sounds or things that I uh, never. Cliche, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I was cert- there was it was certainly crystal clear in a, in a way I don't think I've ever heard previously, um, and I, I really enjoyed that. I, I went through the chain maybe t- three, four times. Just I couldn't quite believe it was sounding so different. Um, so that was them in stereo, and then once I'd sort of got to that point where i was thinking okay well these these are actually something special um because i was convinced it must be hidden there somewhere um given you know how how sort of widely loved the 700 series is um so then i calibrated them with the trinov and listened to them in multi-channel um i calibrated the sub use prior to calibrating in the trinov using its own app um which is really interesting actually you it's a, it's a phone app and you use your phone's microphone and you place the phone on top of the sub um, to to start the sort of calibration process. And then you take the phone to where you sit. Um, and I think it did sort of an eight point measurement. I can't, can't remember off the top of my head. It's, it's again, it's in the review, um, but it, ca- it there was a sort of a stress-free calibration to the to the whole process like simplicity to the whole process that i think made it a bit of a revelation usually with subs you're having to you know find there's a sort of an lcd screen on the back of the subwoofer that you have to sort of read upside down and you're fiddling with peq filters um to sort of get it calibrated before you run your your full calibration with 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 the the bower sub it was just a case of putting my phone on top of it and putting my phone at the listening position we've come a long way from stomping around the house yes. stomping around the room with spl meters yeah, or nice, cr- so. crawling around is the i think it's called the subwoofer crawl isn't it where you're yeah. trying to climb the, i don't um, miss that yes um so that was calibrated at all sat down listened to it and loved it it the the slightly sort of accentuated high frequencies did weren't a problem at all after the calibration and particularly after a bit of toe out uh, which i didn't toe out the surrounds they were all bang on access same with the, the center but that that translated to just this incredibly detailed sound which is i definitely probably favor detail in surround mixes more than warmth um 
I just find it incredibly immersive when you have this incredibly detailed soundscape and you you, you really got that with the Bowers and the the fact that all of the speakers shared the same sort of driver tech and in, in, in identical tweeters all around gave this sort of seamless coherence to the whole presentation which was wonderful and I, I really truly enjoyed it um, and that DB4S once calibrated was stonkingly good for a 10 inch sub I mean I'm, I'm speaking as someone who my day-to-day -day sort of subs are two 18 inch DIY massive pro driver subs um, but I didn't feel like I missed a huge amount just running with the 10 inch DB4S it was ludicrously competent it weighed a ton as well. For I, th I think it's something like under forty centimeters. How much dimension. is it, Doug? Oh, I mean, it's in the review. I, I, I think it's knocking on two grand. I think the whole package came in at something like it was eleven four for the package, and I know that the yeah. seven oh two takes up the bulk of that. So I was just I was just doing some mental calculations. It can't be. I mean, it's not money. It's not given away, but it does strike me as not unreasonably priced for the level of no. performance you're ascribing to. I, so. I remember. I remember thinking precisely that. I remember thinking this is a real contender of a subwoofer, and the th the thing is, um, where is it? Hang on, it's in the review sixteen hundred. There um, we go. Yeah. That's so. That for that puts it in you know a very competitive place actually its pricing if you look at what the SVSs of the world are, are offering at that price point and the arendals you, you you're getting much larger subwoofers um, but I don't think Bowers are really trying to compete with them um, they're trying to you know make something that sounds fantastic looks great and is actually relatively discreet it isn't one of these huge ported monsters it's something that you can you can sort of stick in the corner of your room quite happily and it looks nice um and yeah it really it really did sound phenomenal nice. um, so overall uh, I, I was delighted uh, i think i rec gave it highly recommended um it was unusual as a review goes in that i have, i've never taken quite as long to dial in to dial yeah to dial the system in um but once it was there it sort of paid back that effort. have you done have you had much uh dealings with bows and milking stuff prior to this point doug uh not i don't this is the first time i've ever reviewed them and yeah it's, it's it's really interesting what you're talking about because i obviously i've done you know done a few over the years there are certain things I sort of anticipate them doing now. And I've, it's interesting, all the process that you've described subconsciously in my space, which is relatively well damped, I don't have to tow out. But whereas almost everything else that sits in this listing space has tow in, they point dead ahead. And it's just, a, it's something that's sort of done as an automatic thing. Um, and it's just, it's, do you know what? It's both interesting and it, it also quite reassuring that your experience is do sort of overlap my own in this one so yeah um the full review uh that doug's written uh and it's a damn good review is up on the site for you to read at leisure um and if you have any specific questions i'm sure they can be put into the comment section and someone will come along either ourselves or someone who is equally well versed in the things to to, to, to provide an answer for them um what's going to happen now is that martin is going to start talking about the emotiva um 
processor, the, the Base X MC1 13.2 channel processor, I'm going to disappear very quickly because I'm acutely aware that for some reason my son's supposedly quiet gaming session has become something where he's yelling at the top of his youngs. So I'm going to attend to that and I'm going to be back inside of 90 seconds and I will pick it up from there. So martin uh it's a processor and i looked at this and i thought that's another processor review and the price tag will be used car hefty but it's not correct uh so this is an interesting product category i think and emotiva is an interesting company as well you may not be as familiar with them here in the uk uh because stateside, they use a direct B2C or business-to-consumer model. So there are no middlemen. There are no uh, stores or salespeople from which you buy them. You buy direct. So it's a little bit like SVS in that respect. And interestingly, both those brands, SVS and Emotiva, are distributed by Karma AV in Yorkshire, who have a massive portfolio of uh, AV brands and are a pretty impressive company in themselves. So anyway, the MC1 is Emotiva's most basic or pared down preamp, multi-channel preamp processor. And the BaseX branding is uh, probably appropriate. And for BaseX, you can read basics if you like, uh, but this very much is not a toy. Um, it actually retails for as little as $12.99, which is still great value, uh, I think, over this side of the pond, although it is a little cheaper stateside. And of course, stateside, you are buying direct. So there's a lot of different parameters if you buy these yeah. units over there. So it's a little difficult to compare. And of course, all our distributors here have to pay VAT as well. So it's loaded this issue of stuff being more expensive over here. But I think um, this is a great way to make a start on going down the route of a pre and power amp combo. And I think this is probably what everyone who is into AV and home cinema will eventually aspire to if they don't already. But this product gives you the opportunity to upgrade as and when funds allow because you can buy a processor like this and of course you can buy budget uh, power amplifiers and uh, when you get to it you may decide to upgrade preamp and so it goes on but the mc1 can decode 13.2 uh, channels of audio which you can assign to if you're using all the channels to a 7.2.6 yes that's six overheads or you can trade um, two of those uh, overhead channels for two widths. Um, and that's very clearly marked out in the manual how you do that. Um, but of course, that encompasses Dolby Atmos, DTSX, and will pass through all of the HDR flavors, including Dolby Vision. So this box basically just decodes surround sound and not much else. And this is another reason why I like this box. I just like boxes that do what they're meant to and do it the well. ron seal effect yeah exactly yeah and i think it's a worthy product category and it's not a common one either in fact there are not many manufacturers who are doing this and of course i know people cite tone winner um chinese company who do have products uh, in a similar category 
There's another company stateside called Outlaw, but they've never done a, um, I, I don't think they've ever done an immersive audio uh, preamplifier. So it's kind of a unique category. And like I said, I like it. It's this, uh, the MC1 is less than a 2U rack height, which I think is also a delight. Uh, rather than the common three or four rack heights. It only weighs 4.5 kilograms and is only 33 centimeters deep. So that's perfect for making all your 15 or more connections and gives you a lot of potentially space at the back um, of your shelf cabinet as well. If you actually look at the processor with the hood open, it doesn't look like there are that much electronics in there. And that's why it does come in at that very nice manageable um, weight. Although it's nicely built, the front vacuum fluorescent display is a little bit cheap feeling. I always like a few audio brand logos to pop up, but that would add obviously to the base manufacturer cost and that will be passed on to you. So again, no frills. It does what it says on the tin. Uh, the setup menu is also a bit clunky. It doesn't use a walkthrough guide or even stick to a kind of more linear approach. I mean, even the more esoteric preamplifiers make it a little bit easy. But I did feel I was fumbling backwards and forwards to find to the uh, to get to the start of where I needed to be in the uh, setup. Did but it become you... more intuitive over time? Yes, it did. Actually, oh, to be fair, yes. Um, and once you've got a hold on it, there there is actually plenty of customization of sources and tweaking available to you. The MOQ room correction itself did a nice job in my room. It identified it identified some nasty frequency dips and corrected them. And it only takes a few minutes to complete. So that was a big surprise. I mean, I think it was about five or ten minutes. I didn't time it, but it uh, you know shoots these very loud test tones at you and seems to sort out the room sort of reasonably quickly. It also has this interface of graphs where it shows you what those dips uh, and those troughs and peaks are and how they are being corrected, which is uh, quite a nice feature. Um, and even I measured the distances uh, with the tape measure, not with a laser measure. And actually the distance measurements that came back um, from the auto test tones and auto measurements from the MOQ were almost uh, completely spot on. So I was quite That's impressed with that as well. Yeah. Dialogue, music and sound effects get, I felt, precision placement in the sound stage, and the audio can really engulf you. I did think the sound could be a little clinical sounding, but to be fair, that could also be a symptom of its accuracy. And I would also not expect a product like this to sound like a Storm Audio or a Lingdorf or a Trinov. It's just a different category of product. But, you know, like I said, again, it's a great starter for somebody who is looking to uh, upgrade and build out as their budget increases. Well, I'm actually going to put you on the spot for this one. And Doug can join in on this. Before I do this, Jules, are you all right for time? Or is this a sensible point for you to uh, I, to, to call it a day? Probably best for me to, to depart now and go and get my second right. black eye of the week. Yeah, try, yeah. Not to, try not to kill anyone. And thank you, uh, as ever, for your contributions this evening. Cheerios, guys. Right. Cheers. Bye, Jules. Right, Doug and Martin, this is a question. Now, this gets asked in lots of different flavours, but you essentially, Martin, you, there's a positive review and um, what you've just said there about the level of performance that we should expect relative to the more expensive pro uh, processors that I know that Doug owns an example of and I know that you both have considerable experience of. 
if my budget was for the sake of argument i don't know six seven thousand pounds for electronics is there more mileage in buying a particularly burly amplifier and making do and that's a terrible thing to say because it's a it's a it's a fairly elitist thing to say but would it would i do better looking to use this affordable processor in the short term coupled to a particularly good amplifier or if someone's looking to do this breakdown would you say processor first with either second hand or affordable class d amplification and look at improving that in the long term ah that's a very good question i try i have to say i think i would veer towards this model if i had that seven thousand pounds to spend i would drop the grand on this processor and uh maybe go for a parasound or bryston or something like that um yes if that was my budget i'd do that because i think the improvements you're going to get in the processing power of immersive audio are going to be small in, in, uh, increments uh until of course when you get all the way up to the very top processors but i think you're looking at pretty small in increments um and like i said this thing performs very well i mean it does sound like a high-end processor it's a good piece of kit doug is that what in, you do or you take it differently no <laughs> i take a <laughs> different view um but i mean that's I, I guess the first question I would ask is um, what your speakers are. So yeah. in, the need for a particularly burly amplifier will be dictated by how sensitive your speakers are. And typically, I tend to favour for home cinema extremely high efficiency speakers because they tend to sound a little bit more dynamic. Mm. Um, and all, all my speakers are very high efficiency for that reason which means that the actual demand on your amplifier is very significantly reduced you don't see in in power terms you don't see a huge difference between you know something that's 100 watts potentially and something that's 300 watts because that's just extra headroom when you've got 96 db efficient speakers yeah. um so that's kind of where i sit on it i think increasingly and I, I, I should say I am very much in the class D high efficiency, uh, cl class D uh, hypex based um, sort of amplifier camp uh, with extremely sort of low noise. I far prefer those to your your sort of fried egg on it style amplifiers. I'll bring you around tomorrow. But yes, yeah, so I know that that's a debate for another another day. Um, but increasingly, I think that the the real distinction um, between processors. Uh, and AVRs to an extent is the the room correction, and that's where the battle is being fought hardest amongst manufacturers at the moment. And I mean, if you look at the the real top end of the tree, the, the Storms and the Trinovs, they're doing their utmost to come up with the new, fancier, more bells and whistles to their room correction. So really, room correction is can make a huge difference. Yeah, it it does. I I would totally agree with that, but again you're looking at 10 grand for a preamp yes, yes. uh yeah. where you're getting those very sophisticated room corrections and they are amazing i mean and i have to say that category is going off the chart at the moment but this is coming back to something that you know really is manageable for the man on the street and it that's is what pleasing I like to see something which exists uh, where the price point doesn't bring to mind 
a well well specified small car. So I mean that is you know it's a yeah, heartening absolutely. thing to see. Um, exactly. But it's also as I say, I, I think what's interesting there is two different takes. Um, and what's more, I, there's a lot to be said for Doug's approach. It must be said, sensitivity. If you can look towards more sensitive speakers it's quite remarkable what you can achieve on not a lot of power many many years ago one of my first work trips to the united states i went to see a, a gentleman who um he he was a dealer for the company i was working for at the time but his av system was uh an arcam av9 processor i'm showing my age here with five audio note an0 valve monoblocks into five clipsch horns so he had 45 watts in total five times nine watts and do you know what? You could have driven my eardrums into the center of my brain on nine watts into Clipshorns. He didn't need anything more than that. It was face bending. So there are different <laughs> ways of skinning that particular cat. Yeah. So yeah, there's um lot. lot uh, so I'm, I, I look forward to uh, Doug switching to an all valve based setup and um, <laughs> not having to ha having to do any heating. Um, so you know, all good. Marvellous. Uh, right. Uh, time is ticking on. So I guess uh, it's time finally for the hi-fi section, which will be after this short interlude. If you enjoy the podcast on YouTube, then please like and subscribe. If you're listening to the audio version, then please leave us a rating on your podcast app. We invite you to email questions and feedback to podcast at avforums.com and join in with this episode's discussion thread in the podcasts forum at AV Forums. Right then, uh, Hi-Fi, we won't take too long on this. Um, so the first thing I'm going to say is we've got some new stories which Ian's going to run through. Um, Ian alluded to the fact that there's more Hi-Fi news than there is AV news at the moment. There is a good reason for this. Uh, we are now mere weeks away from the Munich High-End Show. It's the big event for Two Channel. Um, so if you don't announce at the show, you announce that something is going to be at the show. So there's lots and lots of hi-fi news stories at the moment. We're not doing favoritism. We're not prioritizing hi-fi news over AV news. It comes in cycles. As we move further down into the year, there will be less hi-fi news and more multi-channel news and you know more TV and projector news. So that's why things are like they are, in case you feel that we're you know ignoring things. But First of all, Ian, uh, we are looking at uh, the second season of Rotel's Michi amplifiers. Uh, yes, indeed we are. Um, yeah, they've announced uh, three new models uh, in total upgrading on their predecessors from a few years ago, which are the X3 uh, and the X5, getting uh, Series U status uh, as integrated amplifiers. And also the P, I've written down the PS5, I'm pretty sure it's just the P5. Yeah. Uh, I was just, I was in gaming mode, thinking about all things PlayStation. Um, and yeah, the, the P5 Series 2 stereo amplifier, which are both set to launch uh, sometime around now. I think they just said late April, and we are in late April, so uh, almost any day I'd imagine. They are priced at £8,199 for the X5, uh, £5,999 for the X3, and £4,999 for the new P5. Um, just a few of the headlines, which you could probably talk about more, but we're assured that they're like 320 upgrades more than across all three models compared to their predecessors. Come with new DACs, uh, re-engineered circuitry, um, X5 Series 2 is a 600 watt uh, integrated amp compared to the X3's 350 watt Class AB output, uh, but both seem to tick a lot of the right boxes in terms of uh, inputs, uh, although the price tags are quite a jump on the previous model. So I guess the question is, how are they likely to shape up in terms of value for money? 
Well, we'll see. Um, I do intend to try and get the X3 in for review. I looked at the original X3. I thought it was excellent. Uh, in fact, the one thing I'm interested to see if they've done is they've made any changes to the phono state because that was, I mean, there wasn't a huge amount wrong as far as I could see with the original. So I'll be very interested to see what they've done with the new ones. Um, it's a, obviously it, for a number of people, uh, Rotel is not your first your first name that you associate with amplifiers at this price point. But you, in terms of value for money, I don't recall a product that cost less that came closer to herniating me moving it around than the X3. So if you ascribe value to weight, um, this is an extremely good value product. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, and then at a more terrestrial point, we've got new Q Acoustic speakers. Uh, yes, the 5000 series uh, has been announced in its latest lineup, which is made up of five speakers in total, which is the... Uh, 5010 or the 5010 and the 5020 bookshelf and standout speakers, 5040 and 5050 are floor standing options, and you also get the 5090 center channel. As yet, there's no new sub for the collection, but Q Acoustics is offering up its existing QB12 if you wanted to get some ready made 5.1 package direct from them. Uh, I guess the headline feature is the company's new C Cube continuous curve cone design that we're told, uh, and I quote, elevates the 500 series beyond its class and will form a technical platform for years to come. Um, it's also some nice looking finishes to, uh, to choose from. Um, I think the 5020 standouts and the 5040 floor standards are available now. Prices for those are £599 and £900 respectively. Uh, 5010 bookshelves follow in May, priced £499, along with the centre, £399. Uh, we're still waiting on confirmation on when the 5050 speakers will come. Uh, and like I mentioned, there's combination deals as well, but all the details for that will be up on the, the story on the website. Yes, I've got a pair of 5020s in at the moment. They will be appearing on AV forums. There'll be a slight delay. Um, uh, they have been promised to another publication. So... Um, the review will be written and then it'll have to sit for a while, but I can give you a sneak preview that they are very, very good. Uh, the uh, You'll note that there isn't the word concept in the title. These are not concept speakers. So this is, if you like, in some ways, they're closer, more closely related to the more affordable Q acoustic speakers. Um, but no one seems to have told the 5020 that. So it, it's it's extremely good for £600. I can't say too much more than that at this point. But yeah, this is this is quite an impressive piece of kit. Um, it also means that after uh, all the time that they've been around, QQ6 now has a consistent price range, a, a model range that goes from £250 to £4,700 um, pretty much all the way through now. So uh, that's, um, you know, that's, that, that means that you can now get on board at low prices and go all the way through up to the top. Uh, so as I say, there will be a review coming for that. And I would imagine um, if it's offered that Doug, you'd have a look at the AV version of that as well at some point. Absolutely. Good. Marvellous. So we'll, we'll cover off on that. Um, again, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because it's on the front page at the moment on the Monday. It'll gradually make its way down as all reviews do. Focal Vestia 1. Um, this is uh, Focal's uh, the most affordable member of the Vestia family. They've done two basically back-to-back -back releases. So there's the Vestias and then there's the Thievers, uh, Thavers underneath that. Um, £800 for the Vestia 1. And it is um, it's an interesting product because uh, all the things that Doug was saying about uh, positioning, uh, if you think that Bose and Wilkins need some work, Focal don't do plonk and play. It takes a lot of faffing to dial a pair of Focal speakers in, and this is no exception. If you do not want to expend more than 30 seconds on setup, this is not the pair of speakers for you. If you are willing to do that, they are very, very, very good. 
Um, it's something that Focal has been doing more recently is they, without losing any of the things they're good at, this is totally accurate, um, extremely detailed, um, and, you know, able to dig enormous amounts of information out of music, but it manages to do that whilst also not tearing to pieces my more cretinous choice in music. Um, and it manages to be fun. There are points where I was out and out relentlessly enjoying myself. Uh, Fosa's just popped up with my cat enjoying, one of my cats enjoying the speaker as well. Um, it's it's a tremendously entertaining thing to listen to. And I've, uh, it, it's an interesting product because if you like what this speaker does, I can promise you that you are then going to be on board with the Focal family up to the price of small houses. They, they haven't achieved the extraordinary thing of all of their speakers now do these things, but just incrementally better each time. It's a fantastic um, introduction point to a brand that will has offerings to almost any budget short of Elon Musk's. So if you like what they do, this is this is you know this is the last brand of speakers that you'll ever buy. Um, the other interesting one, um, and we generally leave matters of decor to people who have taste and decency, but uh, these uh, are. If you uh, read the blurb, you'll see that they have a light wood finish. Just to be very clear on this, the light wood finish is white. It is sort of white ash, sort of very early 90s. Uh, and this could have looked absolutely dreadful, but they've done enough in terms of the driver contrast and some other detailing on it to ensure that actually I, I rather like them. I'm going soft in the head and I've had a number of white products come through recently that I've, I've rather liked. So... Aesthetically, I don't necessarily know if they're going to be everyone's cup of tea, but it is uh, an extremely impressive product. Um, full reviews up on the site. I say I don't want to devote too much time to this because it's all there. I've said said all the things I wanted to say in the review. And if you have any questions, you can leave them in the comments section and I'll do my best to, to answer them. They are here for a couple more days. So if you have a, a pertinent question of what they do, if you do X, I can do X. Um, so that is up on the site for you to... Uh, read. Um, in terms of other things coming through, we have one last speaker review from the set of reviews I did last month, which is completely different. I don't want to say too much about it, but those are speakers that are part of an entirely different world. And then we've got, uh, I've obviously been looking at the Q Acoustics. There is a very interesting pair of headphones coming through um, as an audio lab amplifier, which I mean, we've already looked at the 9000A. I thought that was the one to go for. I'd like to say that actually I got it the wrong way around. And the one that I'm now looking at is really quite something. And um, there'll be, and there's a couple of other things in, in the pipe. You'll be astonished to hear, uh, as is the regular listeners to the podcast, know that things are a bit last minute because just trying to get hold of anything in the UK is a bit hit and miss at the moment. But there will be some reviews coming through. All this is left for me to do is um, album, vinyl, and playlist of the podcast. It's been ages since we did this. So this is, again, a bit historical in itself. Um, album, you'll have to bear with me. This is a real title. I am not yanking your chain on this one. Uh, this is a um, the very swanky named Mirage in the Mojave by James Alexander Bright and the Flying Mojito Brothers. James Alexander Bright is a uh, is a DJ. He's been around for donkey's years. He's produced uh, a number of songs where you won't know any of the titles, but if you go out and about, they've just been doing the rounds in heavy rotation. The Flying Mahita Brothers are, as the name suggests, brothers, uh, Americans. They have taken a suite of six of his records, uh, tweaked them into a sort of cohesive set, 
Um, it's available to buy on Bandcamp. It's on all the major streaming services. I just really like this. It's music to pop on in the background and away it goes. And before you know it, you're not doing any work. You listen to the music, which is all you could ask for, really. And I'm aware that I've done a number of weird albums in terms of sound and behavior for recommendations. This is just fundamentally good natured dance music. Um, vinyl is a band called Teleman. They've been around for a decade now. Uh, their latest album is Good Time, Hard Time. Uh, don't be put off by the cover, which looks like it was drawn by a primary school child. Um, it's a really, really good listen. And uh, I have got the vinyl on order. Uh, it hasn't turned up yet, but I do have another Teleman vinyl um, uh, album. And that was it's the same label. So I'm hoping that that will not humiliate me and be uh, be dreadful to listen to this is just uh, say they've done some decent songs of late and uh hopefully um well give it a listen again it's on the major streaming services you don't need to buy it on vinyl if you really don't want to and that's probably very success uh, very very sensible and um i will just give a quick note uh obviously it was record store day on saturday i hope that those of you that do record store day found the things that you wanted and didn't get there and find that someone had simply bought all of them and put them on ebay uh, which does seem to be sort of the uh, the issue that bedevils it these days um and i'm afraid i didn't buy anything this time around it with some some of the items looked vaguely interesting but not necessarily at the price that they were being offered at and not necessarily with me having to stand outside at seven o'clock in the morning to to wait to buy them all that's left to do is playlist uh spotify again for this one um spotify has been churning out some decent playlists of late uh this one my running order has now decided to give up on me uh simply called blogosphere um and what it actually is uh referencing is the the early days of sort of blogging and personal website items so 2005 through sort of 2010 sort of thing so it's got all manner of different things from there i found it a diverting listen if not a, a life-changing one um and if you ask for the link if you can't you can obviously stick blogosphere into spotify and it will find it for you otherwise we can drop the link into the comments section so those are my um, uh, recommendations. Uh, and then all that's left for me to do is the um, the housekeeping. So the next AV Forms podcast is the movies edition on Monday, the 1st of May, 2023. That's starting at 8.30 because you just can't get the movies boys in earlier than that. Um, the main AV Forums podcast will return two weeks on Wednesday. We are not doing uh, the bank holiday time because that's an, uh, Monday. Uh, sorry, May is littered with bank holidays. So we are back on Wednesday, the 10th of May, um, and we're doing that at our usual time of 7 p.m. That is it for this week's show. Uh, my thanks to Ian, Doug, Jules, and Martin. If you've enjoyed this podcast, um, well, my sympathies, but please give us a like and a subscribe to the channel, plus hit the notification bell so you don't miss out when we publish our live streams, product reviews, and more. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and bookmark avforums.com for the latest reviews, news, and videos. Plus, and this really is the optional extra, why not leave us a five-star rating on whichever service you use if they allow it, but only if you enjoyed the show. As I say, that's a very structural if. I'm Ed Selly. Thank you for watching and listening, and good night.